Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. I want to pray. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. Uh, We want to thank you uh, again just for the space and the freedom that we have to gather in your name. We want to thank you for uh, the blessing it is to gather in your name. Uh, Mindful that uh, so many people throughout our world don't have this same freedom. Don't have the same freedom to open up an app and read the Bible. Don't have the same freedom to walk around with a Bible openly. Uh, Father, we we just want to uh, humbly receive what you have for us today. Uh, I know that uh, I believe you've been, been, been preparing in me in this message for some weeks and the messages to come, but uh, I want to be available to your spirit and uh, we pray that the spirit speaks in the hearts and minds of every single person here today. If we can just take one thing, Father, from you today, what would that be? What's that one thing you want me, us, to know about who you are, about who I am, about what you're inviting us into? Grant us ears to hear, eyes to see. Minds, spirits to receive. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So I didn't mention we have uh, an event set up on uh, Uversion. Uh, if you can download the Uversion, uh, Bible.com I think, on the, all the app stores. Uh, and all the texts that we're using today will be in there, as well as up on the screen. And of course, we always encourage you to bring your Bibles, recognising that all of us work in different ways. So we've tried to cover, apart from me singing, we've covered a wide range of learning styles for you. Um, so if someone asked you, if someone asked you what your values were, would you be able to answer them? If someone sat down with you over a cup of coffee and talked to you about family, talked about work life, talked about faith, talked about the important things that you value in life, what was it that guided your life? What was it that directed your life? What was it that gave your life some sense of meaning? Would you be able to answer them with some sense of clarity and uh, purpose and strength? We recognise that uh, many of us would have a whole range of values and uh, directions or frameworks and guidelines that we'd function our life by. Um, I've heard it said, I don't know who said it, but many of us have probably heard it said as well, if you don't, uh, if you don't follow something or believe in something, you'll fall for anything. And it's a bit like that in our lives. We can get so caught up and so overwhelmed with the, the everyday nature of life, the busyness and the fullness of life, that we kind of lose sight. We kind of, as Peter said, get off kilter and we recognise that there's something just out of whack here for us. And our values become important for us. What drives us, what motivates us, what enthuses us, what awakens us. What is it that causes us to come back and say, oh, hang on, here's the, here's the framework that I want to operate out of. I'm not saying that's inflexible. I think it's important that it is flexible. But these values help us in times of crisis, in times of challenge. When we've got a financial challenge, we come back to our values and they, our values help us stay firm on the financial decisions that we want to make. When we have a, a marriage struggle or a hardship in our marriage or hardship in our families, our values are able to say, actually, this is who I want to be. This is the decisions that I've made about the kind of life that I want to live and how I want to pass this on. 
The kind of person we want to be at work, that determines how we influence and shape and make decisions at work and shape the way that we respond to circumstances at work. Sometimes if we don't have any values, if we don't have any framework, if we don't have any guidelines to direct our path, to direct our day, to direct our steps, to direct our decisions, decisions, we'll just get caught up in whatever's going with the flow. And this is true for all of us, regardless of our age. Regardless of our age, if we, if we want to break it down, think about a really simple value. If, if one of our values in life was to gather as a community of faith and to be a person who participated in this, that's, one of, that's a value. That's something we hold to. Why do we hold to it? Because we believe the gathering of the community is important. But all of a sudden, if we don't hold on to that, if we don't know why we believe in that, we can be drawn aside. If our friends tell us it's boring, all of a sudden we think it's boring. If there's events that come on, all of a sudden we find it really easy to say yes to 55 different events because we don't know why we gather. There's plenty of other examples that you could use for yourself. I was just trying to find a, a really simple, um, nondescript, non-offensive way of trying to communicate this for you. But this is true across our finances, this is true across our marriages, this is true across our friendships, this is across, true across our, uh, the decisions we make about uh, drinking, this is true across the decisions about how we work with other people, all sorts of areas. If we don't know what we value, we can be led and blown away by whatever else someone else might want to put over the top of us. And we might feel a little bit forced into that as well. Because we don't want to be left out. Because we don't want to be put on the outer. Because we don't want to be rejected. One of the things we want to unpack over this series and to recognise is that we become transformed into the likeness of Jesus when we realise that Jesus is for me, for you and for us. And we want to unpack over this series what that actually looks like. We want to unpack why we hold this as our vision to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus. And that, that's not about that, the group of people out there. That's about me here being transformed and as I am transformed, knowing that Jesus is for you, for me and for us, then I am also becoming someone who works with Jesus to see transformation take place. And that's a long, slow haul sometimes. <laughs> We all know how tough it can be in our workplaces when we want to overhaul culture or when there's a culture in our workplace and we want to be someone different. If we don't know who we want to be and the values that we have, we'll just give up and throw our hands up in the air. In our families, we'll just give up and throw our hands up in the air and say, well, it doesn't matter. But we want to say that Jesus is about transforming our community and he wants to partner with us and we want to be involved in him with that. One of the ways uh, that, or the text that that comes from, the foundational text, if you like, is this really simple text from John chapter 13, verses, verse 34. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. It's a really simple and yet powerful, complicated text in so many ways. Jesus has made it clear. I want you to go about this world, participating in the community that you're a part of, loving people. Man, you're already gone. Man, that person's really hard to love. I don't know if I can love them tomorrow at work. You know, my wife's been really difficult to love at the moment. My husband's been really difficult to love at the moment. 
My children, my parents, they're being really hard to love. You've already thought of that person, haven't you? No, you're just not being honest with me. Um, but see, so Jesus sets it up. Look, this is what I want you to do. It's pretty basic. Love one another. And then he gives an example. How am I going to do this, Jesus? Well, follow me. I'm for you. I'm for your mates. I'm for your community. So you want an example of what love looks like? Immerse yourself in me. Because this is actually about who we are before it is about what we do. We can see it so caught up sometimes in wanting to recognise and, and love people and, oh, we've got to busy ourselves, oh, I've got to love and I've got to um, be busy and doing things and, that might be really good things and yet we lose sight of who we are because we lose sight that Jesus loved us first and continues to love us. So we love because Jesus first loved us. And then we go and love one another. And there's all sorts of things we can unpack and we'll unpack uh, over Scripture. See, what we, what we also want to realise that our values and the decisions that we make in about how we respond to this is just as important in a community as it is individually. So over the next, today we want to unpack one of our first value, uh, the Horsham Church of Christ transforming our community in the name of Jesus. What does it look like to be present? Now some of you have heard similar messages to this before. Some of you may have been around for a few years, so you might be ready to yawn and think, oh, here we go again. Stay with us. Please stay with us. If you're new to the Horsham Church of Christ, we hope that this can awaken something new. If you're, awakened to ch if you're new to church and new to faith, we hope that you might grab a hold of something that would transform your life in a relationship with Jesus. You might not get everything if you're new to church or understanding who Jesus is, but we hope that you might get something that will awaken you and stir a new kind of thinking within you in the, in the name of Jesus and what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had gone to bed just before uh, Andrea ha got there, which is pretty unusual. I'm usually uh, the one who goes to bed uh, later or after Andrea. I'd, I'd said I'd had enough in the day. I don't even know what had happened. I'm just getting old and feeling it a bit in my bones. So I went to bed before Andrea did. Um, that didn't get as much of a joke as it usually does. People must be sick of hearing it. Um, and uh, I went to bed and I had my eyes shut. Uh, Andrea's light was on. I was just um, getting just about into that space where I was out of it, almost gone. And I heard, and you know how you feel, um, people come onto your bed. Um, that's, you know, that's what happens. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But um, I felt the presence of Andrea come into the room. Um, and I rolled over, I kind of rolled over. And I had my eyes open. As Andrea gets into bed, uh, she says, you're meant to be going to sleep. What are you doing with your eyes open? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. And I said, babe, I just, you're coming to bed. I just want to be fully present so that we could say goodnight. Fully connected, fully engaged. And in all of Andrea's quietness and gentleness and sincerity, she simply said, just because your eyes are open doesn't mean you're fully engaged. So true. I've got to admit, I was sprung. But this is true. This is true, not just in relationship with one another. Because what we want to unpack is what does this look like to be in relationship with God? Because we can be so focused on our relationship with God, we need to be focused on our relationship with God. 
but the call of God and the commandment of Jesus is to be in relationship with one another. So what does it look like to be fully present and engaged and willing to be connected to God in such a way that we can be fully present and engaged and connected with one another? So I want to explore a couple of verses today that are pretty clear verses, I think, but I think they're pretty powerful. I want to give these verses kind of bracketing uh, a couple of uh, points uh, and moments in the life of Jesus and then unpack a little bit what that might look like for us. In Matthew chapter 14, and you've, you can read the verse there, but I want to give you some context here. Um, Jesus had been in ministry for some time, but before, if we know anything about the biblical story, we know that John, uh, his cousin, was the one who came to prepare the way for Jesus. And John, says the Gospels, was the one who uh, baptised Jesus. They kind of had this backwards and forwards, Jesus, you should baptise me, no, you baptise me, let's just get it done, fulfil all righteousness, this declares, and all righteousness being what a healthy relationship between God and the rest of the community. Even in Jesus' baptism, Jesus is concerned about his relationship with the Father, but also about the example with the community i mean it's powerful dynamic kind of stuff um, we miss these kind of things sometimes we go oh jesus is baptized that's really nice jesus is baptized to set an example for you and i but he's baptized to establish a relationship even deeper with his father that you and i are also welcome into so jesus is baptized by john um, John then kind of fades away off into the background except we're told in uh, just before this text in Matthew chapter 14 that John had been fairly clear, uh, sp- clearly speaking against Herod and his wife because Herod had taken his brother's wife as his own. So John had been fairly uh, straight, fairly uh, dynamic with Herod and saying, mate, you're doing the wrong thing, this is outside the will of God. And for some time, this had bothered Herod, but he kind of liked John and the message that he was doing until his uh, wife's daughter conducted a dance and Herod said, have whatever you want up to half the kingdom. And the daughter goes back to mum and said, mum, what do I do? And, and mum sees an opportunity and says, hey, just ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So he does, and that's what happens. This message, this word gets back to Jesus that John has been beheaded. And in this moment of heaviness, in this moment of hardship, in this moment of struggle, Jesus hears this. He hears what had happened about John. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now some mums amongst us will particularly know what this looks like. Because in the next breath... What we read about is the story of Jesus feeding the thousands up on a mountainside because he has compassion for them. Because they all see where Jesus comes, like mum's going to the toilets and the kids have a sixth sense about where their mothers are. All of a sudden, they're there at the door. Mum, 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 mum. I know some mothers who just go and hide in the toilet um, for a bit of solitary place. Uh, so, but this is what happens. Jesus hears this, goes to a solitary place, uh, and then all of a sudden, there's thousands We just want to hear from Jesus, and Jesus has compassion on them. So he's drawn to a silent place, has compassion on them, feeds these thousands of people. And then we read just after that story, immediately Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So we've seen grief, solitary place. Ministry, solitary place. 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, some of you might not have known that happens, um, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus goes off to a solitary place. His disciples, his followers find him and say, but Jesus, everyone expects you to be here. And Jesus knows who he is, knows his values, knows his framework, knows his guidelines and able to say, actually, I'm not being ruled by the expectations of what other people want from me. This is what I'm on about. And I think in part because he's able to separate himself into a solitary place. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it's after another time of ministry where he's just been fishing uh, with uh, the followers early in uh, where he calls some of his first disciples in in Luke chapter 5. And we read this, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place, to lonely places and prayed. This wasn't just a a shot in the dark, this wasn't just a fly-by-night, this was an often, and this is something that I I miss regularly, Jesus often withdrew. But the kicker in all this, the kicker in all this is this, um, when Jesus is about to be betrayed, to be crucified, when Jesus knows he's gone to Jerusalem, where he knows who is going to betray him, He doesn't hide away, he doesn't run away, he doesn't build up an army of people around him, he doesn't avoid the situation. Instead, again, what we read at the end of the Gospel of Luke particularly, is he goes off on his own and he takes a few disciples then he goes off a little bit further on his own and he says, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, Sorry, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And from that moment, because he went away on his own, because he went to a solitary place, because he separated himself from the noise of the crowds and the expectations of people, he got up and he squarely faced his death. I mean, that's astonishing to me as I've thought about that. I know, I'd rather avoid every difficult circumstance in my life, wouldn't you? You know those hard circumstances where you'd rather just curl up in a ball and wait for it to go away? That hard circumstance, that hard conversation that you have to have with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your work colleagues, that hard conversation where you have to stand up for something? Are you, I know I, there's times where I'd just rather curl up into a ball. And yet Jesus has the capacity and knows who he is so deeply and so richly that he goes off by himself, not to run away from it, but so that he come back and squarely face it. If that's not a model of love, I don't know what is. See, what I think we can often do in life and our ministry... In whatever we're doing, whatever kind of ministry that we have, and I'm I'm saying ministry in a very broad way, if you're at work, you go to work tomorrow, 
in whatever industry you're in, as a follower of Jesus, you're in ministry. Okay? So that's how I'm defining ministry and describing ministry here. But what I think we spend so much time and energy doing in our society, particularly in the Western world today, we like the word balance. Who would like a bit of balance in their life? Now, none of you want to answer it because you're a bit concerned. I want you to pick that word up, particularly in terms of your life, and I want you to drop kick as far as it'll go because there's no such thing. There are rhythms, there are ebbs and flows, there are sometimes waves that far exceed anything that we could ever imagine and other times just little waves that we can just sit and lap in and enjoy. But see, what Jesus recognises here is the, the ebb and flow, the movement, the rhythm between, if you like, um, the rhythm between um, silence and speech and the rhythm between, uh, I've forgotten the word, solitude and community. Silence, speech, solitude and community. Jesus perfectly demonstrates what that all looks like. A couple of years ago in my quiet life, because you know I'm, I'm a minister of a, a local church, my quiet life is meant to be all cruisy, I'm meant to have it all under control, that's your expectation, is it? You know exactly what I'm doing, uh, you know, you expect me to be having a quiet time, know every word of the Bible inside out um, and you know a couple of years ago I was just over it, it's probably, I probably go like moments like this actually, just over it. I was finding it really overwhelming and I, I'd go and I'd, I'd do all the right things. I'd sit and read my scripture, I'd try and sit quietly, I'd get distracted and I was just feeling myself getting this, Ugh! and I thought, this, this has got to be something else here, I'm missing something, I'm not, I'd be spending my whole time wondering if I was doing it right, God, am I doing it right, what am I meant to get out of this today, how am I meant to do this? I've read some scriptures, I think I'm not even sure what I'm meant to do with that for myself today. I made a decision a couple of years ago, you know what? What I do want to do is simply enjoy my relationship with my Father. It's made all the difference. I'm not saying it's, please, it's not perfect, having got it all under control, I try and do things daily, some days because of circumstances and decisions that I make, I don't do it. But I've, made, I've noticed this shift in my attitude, in my kind of mindset and how I respond to that because I want to look at my father and I want to experience my father through a different lens. So I think many Christians, if you've grown up in the church for any length of time, you feel this sense of burden of expectation. I should be doing this. I should be doing it like this. Can anyone tell me from those examples or any of your knowledge of Scripture what Jesus did when he, went and pray, when he went off to his solitary place? The biggest hint that we got is that he prayed. I don't know if he sung. I don't know if he fell asleep. I don't know if he got text messages. Probably not. I don't know if his mind wandered. I don't know if he got bored. I don't know if he journaled. I don't know. But I actually think that's an invitation to you and I. Because if we believe that God knows who we are, right? 
That's a fair assumption. Does anyone... All right, can I, all right, let me say, if you don't yet know that, God knows who you are because He breathed life into you. He made you. He created you. He knit you together. Therefore, God is waiting for us and anticipating and maybe even expects us to engage with Him out of our personality. So here's, here's a thought. What if you prayed by painting or in your poetry or in writing in your journaling or if you... Um, made up songs just in your spirit i don't know what you do but wouldn't god a loving father want to experience and enjoy your personality and so often we're on this state of this group of people expects us to do it like this now i think reading scripture is a dynamic way and some of it we'll talk a little bit about this but uh, i think someone will say oh i'm not a reader well man you are in the Best time for resources, there's this thing called audio Bibles. Even if you don't like reading, you can read a book a week just by listening to it. It's astonishing. So I think sometimes we get caught up in what we think Jesus did, where all, all we've got is that he often withdrew. And that's our invitation. Silence and speech, solitude and community. Creative tensions, if you like. Because I think what this did for Jesus, now this will be the only time I get all the same letter in one sentence. Don't expect it for the next three weeks, but it just happened. So when Jesus went off and withdrew for himself, he positions his heart that he gains perspective and it prepares him for his Father's purpose, which is always in relationship with others. When Jesus withdrew to lonely places, he was preparing his heart to receive his Father's perspective on the world he was being prepared for what his father had him to do in that next day. Because what you notice about Jesus going off and when he often withdraws, he's often interrupted too. He's often interrupted. But his capacity to respond to the interruptions in the day come out of his capacity and his intent about being with his father. He positions his heart in a way that he gains perspective or he's given perspective and it prepares him for his father's purpose, which is always in relationship with others. And this is a big challenge for us. It's always in relationship with others. So what does it look like to be present to God? Well, find a place. might be a cafe. It might be a chair, your favourite lounge, your favourite sitting chair. It might be a dining table. It might be that you go for walks. A walk around the block. Where's your place? Now, if you're a parent of a young child, what often happens here is that you'll find your place, you'll set yourself up, you'll sit down, you'll go, and you've done that all quietly and cautiously, and that'll be the moment your child wakes up. So if, depending on what you do and how you operate, if you go and nurse or just settle your child down, you go back to it, that's okay. God's got that. But if you need to get your child up, pick up your child, go back, and have your time with God because I don't reckon there can be any greater gift that we can teach our children and as I said uh, late last year that's probably one of my greatest regrets that I saw that as an excuse to give up my time with God and I didn't train my children in that well so find your place have a place have several places even so I might move I've got a I've got a chair uh, in the lounge room uh, that I'll, I'll often sit in 
uh, just to sit quietly, reflect, read scripture. Sometimes I go and sit in a cafe. Uh, occasionally I might go and sit at a park bench. Um, I, I find when I'm doing my exercise, that's where I'm hearing from God as well and just bringing myself before God and preparing my heart and mind for God as well. Um, that's not all I do in that, but that I can find that as a really meaningful time and just recognising and seeking out God, a bit like Peter's prayer in his car. God, I want to see more of you. I want to know more of you. Prepare me. So find a place. Time is a great gift and a great enemy. And most of us will say, oh, I haven't got the time. I don't know what that time looks like. Um, you know what? That's fine. Uh, start small. Start small. Particularly if you're a teenager or if you're a very active kind of person, you know, don't think that you have to spend an hour a day in silence and solitude reading the Scriptures. Just practice going in your room, whatever it might be. Find your place, wherever that might be. Um, shut the door and set a timer. Put your phones on Do Not Disturb uh, and then set the timer on your phone. The, the alarm still rings. It's a magical device. Um, use it for your purposes and use it for your benefit rather than having it interrupt you all the time. If you don't like the phone, find another alarm, set a timer and just forget about it. That way that helps you forget about the time. You know you've got the five minutes or ten minutes, whatever it might be, and just learn to breathe in that. Do you know I read this week that Australians spend an average of six hours a week on social media. That's nearly a whole working day now, some of you are going, oh, I don't spend that much time. No, you might not, but the average six hours a week on social media, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, goodness knows what else, Snapchat, six and nearly a whole working day on social media alone. That doesn't include emails. That doesn't include reading um, articles. That doesn't include making phone calls. That doesn't include all playing your, our games. Nearly a full working day on our phones just on social media astonishing so we have time we have time and we need to set the time aside we need to be deliberate and intentional about that we need to learn to be quiet and if you're anything like me this is really difficult and like i think sometimes it's about the distractions are okay we need to allow the distractions to come the interruptions they remind us but bring those interruptions to the father god i've got to do that today here it is as a gift to you. God, this is a concern for you. God, this is, God, oh, oh, this is, oh, that hasn't happened yet. God, this is my deepest desire. Right, come back. Don't start your timer again, but you could be there a while. I don't know how many times Jesus got interrupted. Read some scripture. Now, we've got models of scripture. We've got these reap cards that you can, even if you didn't start in uh, January, start them from today. You don't have to start from January 1st. There's different models, different expressions. Read two or three chapters a day. If you're new to this, read a chapter a day and ask yourself some few questions. What's one verse that stands out to me? Why does this stand out? What is God? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And what does God want me to do with this? What's one verse that stands out? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And what am I going to do with this? Use music, use podcasts. After you've learnt that time to be quiet, but learn, worship music is powerful and just refreshing and renewing us all. Learn something new through numerous podcasts. And as I said earlier, express your personality. You know, if you stand up and walk around, if you're a bit fidgety, stand up and walk around. 
God the Father wants to be in time with you and see this as an everyday opportunity. This isn't about keeping score. So the best thing about this is that if, if we take this on, I challenge every single one of us to take this on. If you've never done this before, that's okay. I challenge us, set aside five to ten minutes a day. Even if you're not, don't, don't think about the rest of your life. Just set aside five minutes for this week. Set aside 10 minutes for this week. If you're new to this, I really challenge you to do this. Set aside 5 to 10 minutes just to be quiet and quiet in your spirit. Set aside 15 minutes to read your scripture. That, that's it. And to journal or to reflect on it, to highlight it, to draw on it. And see what God does as he reveals himself to us. Because the best thing about this is that this actually reveals the truth about who we are. When we go to God quietly, we discover, oh, that's annoying me. Oh, why does that person keep coming to mind? Oh, why does that thought keep coming to mind? What do you want me to do with that, God? In these quiet times, God reveals His purposes. When we position our heart, He gives perspective and He prepares us for His purposes. And it's always in relationship with others. So the reality is, at some point, we've got to get up and go and meet people, don't we? <laughs> Most of us, yeah? You know, you've heard that prayer, God, grant me grace, grant me peace, grant me wisdom. I've got this big day and I haven't even stepped out of bed yet. So, you know, sometimes it can be hard. I want to say this kind of conversation, these kind of points, might even be really helpful in conversation with other people in our relationship with other people. I've been, and I know I've had a couple of people pull me up over the years saying, Simon, when I'm talking to you, you seem really distracted. All oh, right, be present, Simon. Be here, be attentive. And that's why when, you know, I know sometimes I'm talking to someone and there'll be one or two or three people, it's not because I'm trying to offend you. If you're waiting to talk to me, it's because I'm trying to be here. I think sometimes, you know, it's even give people time. Learn to be quiet in conversations. How many conversations, if you can, how many conversations you're a part of where someone cut you off or talked over the top of you? That'd be an interesting social experiment, wouldn't it? Don't be afraid of expressing your personality. Find safe places with people. Being present. If this is all a bit overwhelming, take this away with you. I'm looking at God. I look at you. I'm still looking at God. If we can set the time aside to go and be with God, to withdraw into places of solitude and rest and renewal and refreshment, we gain the strength, the perspective, the wisdom positioned our heart to have our hearts prepared for God's purposes in relationship with other people. When we take the time to be silent, we hear the heartbeat of the Father for us so that we can bring the heart of the Father into others as well. I'm still, I'm looking at God, I look at you, and I'm still looking at God. Father, we want to uh, thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for your love. We thank you for the heartbeat that you have for us. We thank you for the example of Jesus of what it looks like to be present, to be engaged, to be connected. We thank you for 
the values that he held that allowed him to continue the path, to continue the walk, even when it was hard. God, I pray that we might have the courage, the grace, the humility to examine our days, our weeks. And even as husbands and wives, how can we help each other in this? How can we support each other in this? Father, that you'd reveal those people that we can ask for help or that we might be able to get alongside and cheer on and encourage along the way. Father, let us not be overwhelmed in this. Let us not see this as an examination or a skill test, but rather an opportunity to press deeper into a relationship with you as a loving Father. We know that you want to know us more than anything else and we believe that out of that your love for us will overflow and others will want to know about who this Jesus is that transforms us, that is for us, for me, for you. Thank you, Father, for who you are and the example of Jesus. May we continue to press deeper into his love and know his ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.